Well, good morning. Good to, good to see all your happy faces out there. If you've got a Bible, we are going to turn this weekend to the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, while you're turning there, a couple of quick things I want to share with you. Uh, first, uh, tomorrow night, Monday night, 7 o'clock, is our next all-church prayer uh, gathering right here in our main sanctuary from 7 until 8. We'd love for you to join us for an hour as we come together to pray for our church, our community, and our world. Again, from 7 till 8 tomorrow night right here uh, in the main sanctuary. And it's I know it's a, it's a sacrifice to be here. Listen, the bills are playing tomorrow night, and I'm going to be here. So priorities, priorities. I hope you'll, you'll join me for that. Uh, and then secondly, uh, you may have noticed that Christmas is in the air. Uh, it is everywhere. My wife said to me just yesterday, it seems like November and December just have blurred into one month, to which I say, I think it's like September to December. But anyway, with that, uh, with December comes our annual women's Christmas coffee, which is the first week of December on December 6th and 7th. It's a Wednesday and a Thursday. It's a great time to gather with other women, sing some Christmas songs, hear a great speaker. It's always great dessert. And of course, there's coffee because it's the women's Christmas coffee. Uh, tickets are on sale at northbrookchurch.org forward slash events. I think there's also a table in the lobby. You can talk to some folks over there about that. We'd love to see you at that. Bring a friend. It's always a good time. There are only a limited number of tickets left, so do not delay. Uh, those are going quick. Now, God, we, uh, we pause this morning and uh, just ask for your presence. So many things happening in our world, so many things happening in our community. God have mercy. I do pray this morning for the conflict happening in Israel and in Ukraine. God have mercy. Also turn my heart towards young man from Slinger fighting for his life from a car accident. Lord, we pray. God, have mercy. Now, as we turn to the scriptures, would you open our hearts, illuminate our minds to hear your voice speaking? Amen. When my daughter was in middle school, she went to Slinger, and she decided she wanted to be in a team sport. So she chose cross-country. Any, any cross-country runners out there? Cross-country's a hard sport. She didn't realize how hard it was until the first practice. She showed up, and uh, I went to pick her up that evening, and she approached the car, and she was as white as a ghost. And she opened the car door and crumpled in, and she says, Dad, I'm not doing that anymore. I said, oh, no. You're not quitting after the first day. I said, you're going to go the whole week, and then we'll talk. We'll, we'll go from there. Well, she went the first week, and then the second, and then the rest of the year, and she ran cross-country all of middle school and all of high school. And I, I'd never really been to a cross-country meet uh, before, before she started running. And I was a bit unprepared uh, for what I experienced. I, I watched her run, and then I went to the finish line to watch her crossed the finish line, and at the finish line, there were, there were so many girls crying, 
crumpled up on the ground in the fetal position, falling over, helping each other off. And I thought, wow, I didn't expect that much carnage. I thought this was just running. But man, it was, it was something. And what I learned uh, about cross country from watching my, my daughter run, that there, there are two words that aptly describe the sport of cross country. Endurance and perseverance. Endurance and perseverance. Two words that are also used throughout the book of Hebrews. The Bible is filled with metaphor. Jesus himself used all kinds of metaphor in his teaching. Jesus spoke about birds and trees and soil. Many of his metaphors were agrarian in nature. But when you turn to the epistles, the writings of the Apostle Paul, the letter to Hebrews, the metaphor changes to that of of competition, of sport, of running a race, of endurance. Now, as we turn to Hebrews, the the author of this letter is, is unknown. There are debates as to who wrote it, but no one's really sure. But what we do know is that the author most likely had direct contact with the disciples of Jesus, meaning he had a first-hand account and notion of, of Jesus and his teaching and his way. The way that this letter is, is written, it becomes quite clear that the author was fairly educated, and the letter of Hebrews reads more like a sermon than it does an actual letter. The recipients of this letter or this sermon were Christians who had a Jewish background. Much of the letter contains Jewish thought and worship and uses imagery that would have been familiar to those that were Jewish converts to Christianity. What we know, also know about this group of people that received this letter is that they were growing discouraged. They lived in trying times, times of, of persecution and hostility, particularly towards this religion called Christianity. And so they were becoming a bit spiritually lethargic. And so what you find in the book of Hebrews is the author continually pointing back to the supremacy of Christ. That Christ is better than all else, and Christ gives us the strength and the perseverance to endure in all things. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 does need to be read within context of Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author writes about the sacrifice of Christ what that means for us, and the call to persevere and endure, much like Christ persevered and endured on the cross. When we come to Hebrews chapter 11, we get a list of names from the Old Testament of those that have gone before us who have persevered in faith, that their faith was lived out fully and gladly. It's that that we then come to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore. It is there in reference to chapters 10 and 11. Therefore, what happened in chapters 10 and 11? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want to begin this morning by 
talking about the inspiration of crowds. I think if we're honest, and if you're like me, from time to time, you like to be noticed. From time to time, we all want to be cheered on, right? It starts when we're little kids. I mean, when my, when my kids were little and they would do something, they would say, Dad, watch, and then do like a half-hearted somersault or something, like they just completed something in the Olympics. And, or they jump into a pool, Dad, watch, they want me to watch. Or, or they jump off the couch, Dad, watch. They wanted to be noticed. The social media platform TikTok is solely based on our desire to be noticed. Look at me. Look what I can or think I can do. Musicians, athletes, those that perform in musicals, public speakers, do what they do in part for the audience, for the crowd. And the influence of the audience, the influence of the crowd makes a difference. In the game of football, 11 players take the field, but there's always a 12th player. There's always a 12th man. The crowd. Because the crowd makes a difference. Hebrews chapter 12 begins with the author suggesting that you right now have a crowd cheering for you. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that, that phrase cloud of witnesses is a first century way of simply saying a lot of people. And the word surrounded is reference to the arena. So the metaphor here is the arena filled with people, filled with a crowd. Now, specifically, this is a reference to one chapter back, chapter 11. The crowd are those that have gone before us. Now, the scripture is not very clear what this actually means. Some have suggested that it means that this crowd is those that have gone before us and are now resting and cheering us on from heaven as we run our race, which I suppose is plausible. Or it could simply mean that the lives of those that have gone before us bear witness to our own faith and now serve as an inspiration as we are running our own race. Either way, the challenge is to be inspired by their faith, but also their faithfulness. Their faith, meaning their belief and trust in God, and their faithfulness, the way that they lived out that faith and trust in God. In chapter 11, there's this this list of names beginning with, with Noah. Noah was a man of faith. Noah believed in God. Noah trusted in God. But he displayed that faith and faithfulness. He built an ark at God's command, though it had never rained before. If, if you're familiar with Genesis, the plants of the ground were watered by streams that came up out of the ground and, and the dome of mist that covered the earth, but it, it never, never experienced a downpour, not one that could cause a flood. Noah had never seen anything like it, but in his faithfulness, he picked up a hammer, some nails, and started building. Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith. He believed and trusted in God. He believed that God was going to lead him to a promised land. And in faithfulness, he started walking. Jacobed, Moses' mother, a woman of deep faith, a woman who believed that her child was set aside for something special, believed God, but in faithfulness, she hid him from Pharaoh when 
Pharaoh commanded that all the babies be killed. So because we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, those that lived a life of faith and faithfulness, let us then toss aside those things that are holding us back and get to the work of fully living. Verse 2. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So now we, we dig a, a little deeper into the metaphor. The, the word race in the Greek language is the word agon. We get the English word agony from it, which makes sense because if you've ever run, there is a little bit of pain and agony involved. The metaphor here is of a first century foot race that took place in an arena. In the first century, when runners entered into the arena, they were surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, this crowd cheering them on. They would enter the arena with flowing, colorful robes. As they approached the starting line, they would discard their robe and run the race virtually naked. They would quite literally throw off everything that hindered them. They would throw off everything that would cause resistance, everything that would slow them down. That's the metaphor that the writer of Hebrews is suggesting for our race, that we throw off everything that hinders us. And not everything that hinders us is bad. It's just something that gets in the way. In the early 2000s, I developed a bit of a fascination with the art of graphic design and video design. And so I took some community college classes and I started editing photos and graphics and I started a little side business doing some things because, you know, pastors aren't always paid the greatest as I, I, at least not back then. And I was just doing these things and what I, what I discovered really quickly is when, when you can do something, everyone wants you to do it. And so at our church, I became the website creator, I did all the graphics, I did all the video, I did all ev- everything. And uh, I discovered rather quickly that it's very time-consuming. If you're in that line of work, there is a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of time, a lot of work. And I was spending so much time as a pastor doing graphic and video that I wasn't doing very much pastoral work. And I came to a fork in the road. I realized I could not do both. And so I, I realized my calling was to be a pastor. So in order to fully live the race that I believe God had called me to, I had to throw off something, something that I loved, something that was good, but it was hindering me. It was getting in the way. And so I, I just shut it all down, got rid of all the equipment, and just ran, ran my race, threw off everything that gets in the way. And the author goes on to say, in those sins that so easily entangle. Have you, have you ever been tangled up in something? I mean, physically tangled up in something. I mean, if you have, it's, it's a little unnerving. We used to have this little dog named Tyler. May he rest in peace. Best dog we ever had. I would, I would walk him around our neighborhood. He was a little, little 12 pound Bashan Shih Tzu mix. And I'd walk him around the neighborhood. And one day I was walking him and from across the street, this, this other dog charged us. 
just full speed came and, and attacked Tyler, little 12 pound dog. And Tyler was more a lover than he was a fighter. And so he tr- tried to run away, and, and, and he, but he was on a leash. And so the way that he ran away was he kept running around my legs and kept wrapping me in the leash. And so my natural inclination would be to kick the other dog, but I couldn't because my legs were completely wrapped around the leash. I almost fell down when the owner came running. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. This dog was attacking my dog and I can't move. I felt helpless. There's, there's an image here. Toss aside that sin that so easily entangles, so easily wraps up your life. Those addictions, those, those lies that we tell, the, the, the hate that we hold in our heart, our laziness, our greed, all of, those, all of those things that keep us from becoming who we were meant to be, those things that keep us from running our race. So throw it off like a runner discarding their robe in the arena. When the Hebrew recipients heard these words, their minds would have immediately went to that metaphor. And let us then run the race, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Perseverance. So back to my daughter's cross-country days. We would often arrive early because we didn't want to miss the start. And typically the, the guys would run first. And there was one particular race I was, I was at. And this high school boy came running by just full speed. And as he got right to where I was, he's running. And he turned his head full stride, threw up, and just kept running. Never stopped. I couldn't believe it. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I mean, he just kept going. If that was me, I'd be on the ground. Talk about perseverance. When I think about perseverance, I have that rather grotesque image in my head because that is perseverance. Never giving up. Fighting to the very end and he finished. I wonder as I observe our world, our culture, my life, are we slowly losing the ability to live with perseverance? I saw something the other day that was that was sad and humorous all at the same time. It was a video that has been circulating. It's been everywhere. It's been all the, on all the major news outlets, and it's a it's a video of this this twenty something, and she's on this video and she's filming herself and she's crying. And I, I have compassion for people crying. You know, if you're crying, it means something's happening. So she's crying and she's talking about her life and she, she's crying because her life is very hard. Because her boss is requiring her to work nine to five. That's the context of it. She's crying. Because she has to work nine to five. And <laughs> I'm, I'm watching it. And she's like, and I, and I get home at six. And then I have to cook my dinner. I don't have enough energy to shower. And then I get up and I have to do it again. And I'm thinking... I wish my job was nine to five. Like that would be a dream. Nine to five, five days a week. That'd be a dream come true for me. But I'm not making fun. Well, not mostly, but but I mean, <laughs> perseverance. But what about in our spiritual life? Are we developing the ability to persevere in our spirituality? Oh, so many give up so easily. So how can we develop a sense of of perseverance in our spirituality, much like an athlete develops perseverance as they practice? Well, I believe 
really that it begins when I create regular time in my life for awe, wonder, and simple fascination with our creator, with our God. A couple weeks ago, I was in Oregon. I'm, I'm in a program, a school program, and we have to do these residencies. The school I go to is in Oregon. And so I went to Oregon, and each day we, we would walk to our classroom. And each day, each morning as I walked to our classroom, this was what I walked by. This is the image that I saw. And on this particular day, I took this picture of my phone, and, and on this particular day, this guy was so brilliant that I just, I just had to pause and not only take a picture, but I just stopped, and I looked at at this image of creation, and I just, I just stepped back and I said, wow. The God that I love, the God that I serve, spoke it into existence with a word. See, in those moments when things get a little complex, frustrating or confusing, I can look at this picture and say, wow. The God that I serve is so much bigger. Oh, I, I can get theologically nitpicky and moralistic with the best of them. Christianity often reduces this life to a battle that we fight or something we stand against. But it is so much more than that. My spiritual stamina is filled when I consider the awe of what God has done, not only in the creating of the world, but what the cross itself represents, that a God cared that much about his creation that he would give everything. It becomes a daily practice. I develop perseverance by practicing my faith, not just believing in something. When I do things like pray and read the scriptures and and give and fast. When I sit in silence in my creator, I'm, I'm developing stamina. I'm developing spiritual stamina. And how often do we only turn to God when something is wrong and then f- get frustrated when, when I get discouraged so quickly? It's almost like someone who decides they're going to run a marathon and shows up without ever running a mile in their life. It just doesn't work that way. I develop perseverance when I, when I look at the big picture, when I consider the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke about, that I'm a part of a much bigger story. And I think about that story. I fixate on that story. You, you ever fixated on something? The, the word fixate means to think about something deeply and intently all the time. Several years ago, I... Um, I have this habit of fixation, so I didn't know what to do about it. I was actually diagnosed with a form of OCD. And I can fixate on so many things. But the writer of Hebrews encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, verse 2. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And what we fixate on, in part, shapes who we become. We can fixate on things that are good, or we can fixate on things that are destructive. I think of the story called The Lord of the Rings. Have you seen The Lord of the Rings? Either read the book. If, if you haven't, I mean, you, your spirituality is lacking if you've not seen it. So today, you just need to go home and either watch it or read the book. It's incredible. If you've read it or seen it, you, you know that there's a character. 
in that story goes by a couple of names, either either Gollum or, or Smeagol, one of the two. And if you know his backstory, Gollum or Smeagol was a hobbit living in the Shire and was out fishing one day with one of his hobbit friends, and they they discover in the lake this ring, this ring of power, and they become obsessed over it. Gollum becomes so obsessed over it that he kills his friend so he could keep it. This ring corrupted him. His, his fixation was so corrupt that he was banished from the Shire, banished from his people. The, the ring, because it was powerful, prolonged his life, but it twisted his body and his mind. He, he became so fixated on it that nothing else mattered. He even had a name for the ring. He called it My Precious. It was this doomed obsession, this doomed fixation that cost him his, not only his life, but it cost him his, his being, who he was. Now, now, there's a big difference between thinking about things and fixating. We think about, about all kinds of things, but what is it that we fixate on? Do we fixate on, on security, on feeling safe? Do we fixate on what I have or, or don't have? Do, do I fixate on, on my health? Do I fixate on the future? Do I fixate on what, what's wrong with the world? Right now with all that's going on, the, on in the Middle East, I've got some friends that are so fixated on the end times. To which I say, I mean, Jesus said something about that. Like, you don't know the day or the hour, so just, just be ready. What are we fixated on? Now, these aren't unimportant things. But when fixated on it in the wrong way, they become a doomed obsession. Rather, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I mean, have you ever seen something so beautiful you had to step back and go, wow, wow? The first time I saw my wife, Rebecca, oh, she walked and I said, wow, some guy's going to be lucky. Whoo! <laughs> When you're fixated on something, you typically look away from everything else. When Jesus came preaching and teaching, his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent literally means to change direction. It it also means to change your fixation from the world to him. Turn from the ugly to beauty. I wonder if we've robbed Christianity of its beauty by fixating on the wrong thing. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus and turn away from those things that are just not the best for our race. And you may think, well, that's, that's great, Mike, but what happens, what happens when you just lose heart? What happens when it just becomes too much? Verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word consider means a process of seriously thinking about weighty things. Consider him, consider Christ, consider what he did for us so that we will not lose heart. And oh yeah, there's lots of things in this world that can cause us to lose heart. I get it, I've lost heart. When my wife and I were first married, we lost two children to miscarriage, and man, did we lose heart for a while. Over the years, 
In my, my role as a pastor, I've followed other pastors and church leaders that I've admired and respected. I've read their books, listened to their sermons, gone to their conferences. And of the 10 that I most greatly admired, only three of them are still serving as pastors because the rest have either burnt out or had a moral failure. And it can be disheartening. When your heroes lose their way, you think, can anyone, can anyone do it? Can anyone finish well? It can be a loss of heart. Maybe you've lost heart and something's going on in your family or, or, or your job. And so the challenge is, well, let's, let's fixate on something else. Let's consider him who endured such opposition. And he did it. He did it for you. So what's the weight that you're carrying? What, what are those things that are hindering you from fully running your race? Maybe it's, it's time to start letting that thing go. Oh, you know that thing I'm talking about. It might not even be a bad thing, but it's just not your thing for your race. Or, or maybe, maybe there are some sins you keep getting tangled up in and maybe it's time to invite someone to to help you untangle yourself. When my dog wrapped himself around my legs, I, I couldn't, like, I'm very inflexible. I couldn't even, I had to have someone untangle me. Sometimes we just need a little bit of help. The mission of Northbrook Church is making compelling followers of Christ. And one of the most compelling things that we can do as his followers is live a life in which our eyes are fixated on him. And so th- this morning, as we consider the, the words of Hebrews, O oh God, we, we're reminded, I'm reminded, that we're surrounded by a great cl- cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by a crowd who's cheering for us. And so as we run our race, O oh God, as we run this life that you've placed before us, let us throw off everything that hinders us everything that slows us down, everything that gets in the way, and let us remove all those sins that so easily entangle us. Let us run with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. For those that are discouraged today, oh God, I I pray you'd encourage them. Show them your beauty and your goodness, your grace, your power, your majesty. enter into this new week that give us the courage to fix our eyes on you amen 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 thank you so much mike